sometimes popular opinion is wrong, sometimes uh, disastrously wrong. Human beings were abducted from Africa, sold as slaves in America, and it was common and acceptable practice for centuries. I read that in 1879, the Supreme Court reaffirmed early common law that labeled female jurors as suffering from a defect of sex and made it constitutionally acceptable for courts to ban women from serving. Geocentrism was accepted by ancient civilizations and intellectual elites like Aristotle and Ptolemy. Adolf Hitler had widespread support in Germany in 1932. Evolutionary theory holds sway in academia today. People defend a woman's right to murder, a legal right to murder her unborn child. Something else is true. Things aren't always what they seem. Magicians make their living on deceiving the eyes. Thousands of investors entrusted Bernie Madoff with billions because he seemed respectable. He's in prison for fraud. Radioactive products were at one time the latest health craze. Radium pendants for rheumatism, uranium blankets for arthritis, anti-aging radioactive cosmetics, uh, and radioactive water, which actually glowed in the dark. People thought it was healthy. After regularly consuming a popular radioactive medicine for about two years, Eben Byers, the wealthy Pittsburgh socialite, athlete, and industrialist, developed chronic headaches, lost weight, his teeth fell out, holes formed in his skull, and his mouth literally collapsed. The Wall Street Journal ran an article about Byers titled, The Radium Water Worked Fine Until His Jaw Came Off. Sometimes popular opinion is wrong, and things aren't always what they seem. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Many people are on the road to perdition, and the scary thing is the road seems right to them. Now, before I get too far, uh, let me say today's sermon is intense because Jesus' preaching is intense. Jesus talked about heaven and hell, talked a lot about hell, how to enter God's kingdom and making sure to truly enter God's kingdom. His his preaching wasn't aimed at creating doubt or uncertainty in true believers, but was intended to excite honest self-examination. Law and gospel preaching should comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And I hope to plead with you this morning as Jesus pleaded with his listeners. I hope the Holy Spirit works these six things, at least these six things, in your heart this morning. A greater fear of God, an intensified sense of the seriousness of your sin, a heightened hatred of your sin, a renewed dedication to repentance and obedience, a fortified confidence in the merits of Christ credited to you, and a deeper sense of security and gratitude in the sufficiency of God's grace for you.
So then we, we need to be aware that there are really only two ways to go in life. What are the two different ways to go in life? Jesus answered that question plainly, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. There you have the two different ways. Through the wide gate on the easy way that leads to destruction or through the narrow gate on the hard way that leads to life. Many choose the way to destruction. Few choose the way to life. Many people assume the wide gate and easy way is best, but in the end, they will be eternally regretful. But a few people know the narrow gate and hard way is best. And though the way is hard for them and it sometimes even feels wrong to them, in the end, they will be eternally thankful. In the end, for the few, the pain will be worth the gain. It's, it's been said all roads lead to Rome. And some people think that about life. Jesus doesn't. Jesus is actually the most exclusive, polarizing, and dogmatic teacher ever. He, he is not given to religious pluralism. Jesus is simple and clear. Two ways. One leads to destruction. The other leads to, to life. All roads do not lead to Rome. One road leads to eternal life, and the millions of other roads are actually just millions of lanes on the one road leading to eternal death. Only two ways. Oprah is an intelligent, industrious, successful, and likable woman. Uh, she has many good traits. I admire her in, in several ways. That said, Oprah is sadly a very spiritually confused woman. Her worldview is antithetical to biblical Christianity. Years ago on her talk show, Oprah was expressing her agreement with, with uh, Daniel Quinn's philosophical novel titled Ishmael. Oprah on the show was disagreeing with Christians and she argued this, quote, one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live and that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world, that there are millions of ways to be a human being and many ways, many paths to what you call God. And she was talking, addressing a Christian, and Oprah continued, and her path, referring to a non-Christian that was on the show, might be something else. And when she gets there, she might call it the light. But her loving and her kindness and her generosity, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. End of quote. Oprah went on to deny that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. She said there couldn't possibly be one way. 
See, Oprah and, and many others believe there are millions of equally valid ways to go in life because they assume that all of those ways end in the same place. All roads lead to Rome. This is the wide, spacious, and pluralistic way, the way that leads to destruction. Years ago, Robert Schuller interviewed a renowned evangelical leader on his Hour of Power program, and Schuller asked uh, this man, tell me, what is the future of Christianity? And this celebrated evangelical leader answered, and listened very closely, well, Christianity and being a true believer, you know, I think there's the body of Christ, which comes from all the Christian groups around the world or outside the Christian groups. I think everybody that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not, they're members of the body of Christ. And I don't think that we're going to see a great sweeping revival that will turn the whole world to Christ at any time. That's what God is doing today. He's calling people out of the world for his name, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the non-believing world. They are members of the body of Christ because they've been called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but they know in their heart that they need something that they don't have and they turn to the only light they have and I think they're saved and they're going to be with us in heaven, end of quote. Friends, that's contrary to what Paul wrote in Romans 1. God condemns those who don't know Jesus Christ because the knowledge of God through creation is insufficient to save, but sufficient to condemn. And Schuler clarified, what I hear you saying is that it's possible for Jesus Christ to come into a human heart and soul and life, even if they've been born in darkness and have never had exposure to the Bible. Is that a correct interpretation of what you're saying? And this global evangelical leader said, yes, it is, because I believe that. Folks, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified and risen is the only means of salvation for lost sinners, the only way for sinners to enter the kingdom of God. Sinners must hear and believe the gospel to be saved. And this evangelical leader continued, I've met people in various parts of the world in tribal situations that they had never seen a Bible or heard about a Bible, had never heard of Jesus, but they believed in their heart that there was a God and they tried to live a life that was quite apart from the surrounding community in which they lived, end of quote. Friends, that's law and not gospel. That's salvation by doing your best and not salvation by receiving Christ's perfect righteousness as a gift imputed to you by grace through faith. To borrow Michael Horton's term, that's a Christless Christianity. That's the message of the wide gate and the spacious way, the pluralistic message, the way that welcomes those of all faiths, even the faith of no faith. And Dr. Schuler responded, this is fantastic. 
I'm so thrilled to hear you say that there's a wideness in God's mercy. Did you catch that? There's a wideness in God's mercy. That smacks of universalism. And this prominent evangelical leader, the late Billy Graham, responded to Robert Schuller, there is, there definitely is. Saints, Jesus' message in Matthew 7, 13 and 14 is not a popular message. It's a divisive, polarizing, and offensive message. People spurn it because it's narrow. It's exclusive. But Jesus didn't preach what was popular in the day to win friends and influence people. He preached the truth that would save people. So if we're going to understand Jesus, we need to recognize from his bold and dogmatic preaching that there are only two ways to live. One way leads to destruction. The other way leads to life. This brings us to this question. What is the wide gate and easy way and where do they lead? Again, Jesus said, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. The wide gate is exactly that, wide, very wide, very roomy, very broad, very spacious. There's plenty of room. It's not a tight squeeze. People walk through it comfortably, bringing with them whatever they want to live however they want. Many others are entering with them, and so uh, they look around, and, and, and there's a certain sense of security in its popularity. The wide gate is the pluralistic gate. The phrase, the way is easy, is a bit misleading. You have to really think about this. It's not that the road is easy. Uh, as in, it's without any pain. From a fleshly standpoint, it's certainly easy to enter and travel because it demands nothing. It appeals to the sinful flesh. It boasts of pleasure without sacrifice or cost. So it's easy in one sense. But the Greek word more precisely means spacious, broad, roomy, having enough space to accommodate masses of diverse people and worldviews. You're free to swerve and change lanes at any time. Charles Blondine, uh, Philippe Petit, uh, and Nick Walenda are famous tightrope walkers, and tightrope walkers walk on tiny little cables at death-defying heights. If those cables were two foot wide, a solid and secure concrete paths at the same height. Not that kind of impossible, I guess, but let's just say that it is. We wouldn't walk on it. Most of us would be paralyzed with fear. Why? Because though it might actually be safe on that two-foot-wide path, we feel the risk. We feel the fear, and the reward of doing it just doesn't seem enough. Only a few people would do that. Everyone else prefers the ground. Uh, that's, that's a little like the wide gate and easy way. We naturally prefer what appears more comfortable and reject the alternative because it appears too hard, too frightening, too demanding. Living for the here and now instead of the there and then is natural. 
To state it simply, the wide gate and spacious way represents willful and persistent unbelief. It's denying God's law and gospel and going the way that appears immediately more comfortable. And that way could be aggressive hedonism. Pleasure at all costs, I'm going to do whatever I want just, just, to, get a, just to get a thrill. In the bars or brothels. Or it could be self-righteous, law and morality-focused, pseudo-Christian religion in church or charities. The, the appeal of the wide gate and spacious way is this. Here's the appeal. Hedonist, secularist, Marxist, materialist, naturalist, Darwinist, atheist, humanist, pantheist, deists, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, agnostics, porn stars, gangsters, mob bosses, drug dealers, even self-reliant, self-righteous, self-focused, and self-professed pseudo-Christian hypocrites can all walk together through the wide gate on the easy way. It's a pluralistic way. Anybody come on in. Great, no sacrifice. Now, they all have their lanes. They, they can change lanes at any time if they want. But they're all on the one road that leads to destruction. All those roads lead to Rome, but there's another road leading to another destination. Jesus called his, his Jewish audience to truly enter the kingdom. He explained how to enter the kingdom. Jesus preached to the twelve, but others listened in. Other monotheistic Jews. Would, would his religious listeners enter the kingdom through him, or, or would they rely on their Jewish history, piety, and practice? Jesus preached true conversion. Religious people heard him and, and needed to realize that Many religious people will enter the wide gate and travel the easy way and they will assume they're on the right road, but they will perish in the end. Self-deceived and self-righteous people were listening in on the Sermon on the Mount and chose the wide gate and easy way because they didn't want what Jesus offered. He didn't fit their religious assumptions. Many self-deceived and self-righteous hypocrites attend church on their way to hell thinking that they enter the kingdom by doing this or not doing this or being good. They don't realize they don't deserve to enter and that Christ is their only hope of entering. Jesus was drawing a proverbial line in the sand. He was calling his religious listeners to choose their way carefully. He was educating on the way to life and educating on the way to death so that people would be clear about it, so that they would understand. D.A. Carson said, quote, The general picture is clear enough. There are two gates, two roads, two crowds, two destinations. End of quote. And after this, Jesus gives three more polarizing metaphors describing, again, the two sides. When Jesus said destruction, he didn't mean annihilation. Uh, Dr. Richard Lenski, the great Lutheran commentator, said, quote, the term never means annihilation. Neither does any synonymous term nor any description of what it represents, end of quote. 
Jesus was not saying that the wide gate and easy way leads people to non-existence. That's not what he was saying. Jesus meant the wide gate and easy way lead people straight to eternal and conscious suffering in hell. The wide, welcoming, pluralistic gate is the gate of hell. The Greek word for destruction refers to spiritual loss, eternal ruin, perdition. It it is the loss of eternal life and, and, and external and excruciating misery. Eternal, rather. Eternal excruciating misery. Now, as Christians, we got to be honest about this. It would be disingenuous and dishonest of believers to say that frat parties, wild sexual escapades, heart-pumping burglary, mob violence and looting, outrunning the cops, religious hypocrisy and apathy and the like have no appeal at all. Of course they have appeal. Of course, people do them because they're exciting, because there's a rush there. Religious hypocrisy is is one of the most appealing and dangerous because it confesses Jesus from the mouth. It looks pious and good from a distance. It assumes eternal security and yet doesn't demand holiness. But those who walk through the wide gate and travel the roomy path are short-sighted. They can't see over the crest of the, the hill to realize where the road ends. Friends, listen carefully. A few blind people receive sight to see that little old gate over there, the narrow one. The one with the hard road beyond. The one that leads to life. Those blind people see that gate with fondness because the Holy Spirit performs supernatural ophthalmology of the heart which makes them see the right way and take the right way to go through the narrow gate. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. See, the natural person chooses the wide gate and easy way every time because they have no true spiritual discernment because they don't have the Holy Spirit. People who choose the narrow gate and the hard way are not better people. They're not smarter people. They're not more religious people. They are recipients of sovereign grace. They receive Christ, His grace, the Holy Spirit. They are drawn by God to the right way. And apart from God's grace, they would have overlooked the narrow gate. They would have missed it entirely. So do you know what the the wide gate and easy way are? Well, I'll let the Australian rock band, ACDC, tell you in their own raspy way. And please know 
that, that this does not simply apply to wild partiers. It also applies to self-righteous churchgoers. ACDC sings, Living easy, living free. Season ticket on a one-way ride. Asking nothing, leave me be. Taking everything in my stride. Don't need reason, don't need rhyme. Ain't nothing I'd rather do. Going down, party time. My friends are going to be there too. No stop signs, speed limit. Nobody's going to slow me down. Like a wheel, going to spin it. Nobody's going to mess me around. Hey, Satan, paid my dues. Playing in a rocking band. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm on the way to the promised land. Don't stop me. I'm on the highway to hell. Friends, consider carefully the consequences of the wide gate and the easy way. And at the same time, consider carefully the cost of the narrow gate and the hard way, as well as the destination of the narrow gate and the hard way. Jesus talked openly about the cost and reward of entering the kingdom by the narrow gate. The good news of the gospel is that there is a gate that leads to eternal life. It's a squeeze. It demands leaving much behind. It's counterintuitive. It's costly. But dear friends, the destination is preeminently and eternally spectacular. It's awesome. It's amazing. It can't be beat. The final destination is well worth leaving all the idols and all the sinful baggage at the narrow gate and suffering along the road of affliction because life is in the distance. Life is the certain destination. What is the narrow gate and hard way and where do they lead? The King James Version says, Enter ye in at the straight S-T-R-A-I-T, gate. And that doesn't mean not crooked. That means narrow. It's not wide. It's a tight squeeze. The wide gate allows you to carry all kinds of things through it. Want to hold on to that? Come on in. Come on through. Want to believe that? Come on in. Come on through. Not so with the narrow gate. The narrow gate requires you to shed everything to enter, to believe only certain precise doctrines and things. Otherwise, you just won't fit. You only squeeze through. You could say it's an exclusive entry. Dr. Lenski said, Contrition, faith, and a Christian life are like a narrow portal and passage. We cannot ride into it with our sins, self-righteousness, false notions, vices, and follies. We could not even get them through the portal. Dr. Hendrickson said something similar. In order to enter by the narrow gate, one must strip himself of many things, such as a consuming desire for earthly goods, the unforgiving spirit, selfishness, and especially self-righteousness. The narrow gate is therefore the gate of self-denial and obedience. End of quote. The wide gate is pluralistic. The narrow gate is exclusive. 
Jesus taught exclusivity to his disciples in John 10, 7 and 9. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Entrance into the kingdom of God comes through one door. The Son of God, Jesus Christ. There is only one gate, one door, one way that leads to eternal life. Jesus Christ, his life, his cross, his tomb, his resurrection, his eternal lordship and intercession. He is the exclusive way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through me, through me, through me. That's a narrow, that's a dogmatic statement. Jesus was essentially preaching, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, there is only one narrow way, through me the door. You enter the kingdom through me or you do not enter the kingdom at all. So enter and live. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. To enter the kingdom of God, one must enter through the narrow gate. One time, the apostle Peter, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was preaching boldly and preaching dogmatically, and he preached, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, but by which we must be saved. It's Jesus or hell. That's how Jesus preached. The Greek word for hard more literally means crowded, as in the crowd presses in and crushes. You can remember maybe back to those soccer days when you saw people's faces mashed up against the fence and people were rioting. It presses in, it crushes, which gives the implication of affliction and suffering and oppression. See, people look through the the narrow gate and they realize that the path ahead is really, really hard and that suffering comes precisely because of Jesus Christ. And when they realize that, they don't want Jesus Christ. Why would I bring that suffering upon myself for him? And there are people who gladly enter the narrow gate. They want in. They go in because that's where they want to be. They gladly enter the narrow gate on the hard way because by God's grace and by God's illumination, they see and desire Christ above all and they want to live. He is why they enter. He is why they reject the wide open gate. They they don't want pluralism or destruction. They want Christ and they want life with him. So it's worth it. Where, where does the hard road lead? And is the final destination worth the pain? That's a legitimate question we've got to ask. Where does it go? Life. Life. The fullest life. The redeemed life. The restored life. The hard way leads to life with the king. And, and, and though the masses aren't coming along, though the masses don't seem to want to come The few are. The few are going that way. It's not a lonely hard road. 
We travel the hard road together, dear weary saints. We travel it together as brothers and sisters in Christ who encourage one another along the way. J.C. Ryle commented, The true flock of Christ has always been small. It must not move us to find that we are reckoned singular and peculiar and bigoted and narrow-minded. This is the narrow way. Surely it is better to enter into life eternal with a few than to go to destruction with a great company. Saints, the wide gate and the easy way has great appeal. It looks great. It's wideness and spaciousness and popularity and freedom is its appeal. Many people choose it. But as the masses are destroyed together, the few will enter together into the joy of their master. Only the few will find that their suffering and affliction for Christ was worth it and they will find out and rejoice together. Psalm 111.1 says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright. There is unparalleled joy and delight and satisfaction among the few on the hard road to life. In the green mountains of Vermont lays a maze of caves Peter Quick is a caving expert, and he commented on the Morris Cave's 1,800-foot-long passageway. Doesn't that sound creepy? And Quick said, it's tight and miserable. And yet listen to how he explains the journey through. It was such a remarkable experience sort of squirming your way through these passages that weren't much bigger than your body. You're going headfirst down these slopes. Your shoulders barely fit, and you're squeezing through, and you realize after a while that you're like 100 feet under the ground in solid rock and that this is the weirdest thing to be doing. He loves it. And Quick said, tight is so tight that you can't rotate your head from one side to the other. If you start panicking, you have to start thinking calm thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, that's about right. And this is from a guy who loves caving. He keeps doing it. It's a thrill for him. Tight places. Why? Because for him, there are huge payoffs. Uh, He was was talking about seeing things that perhaps nobody else has ever seen before. The narrow gate is so tight, you can't direct your gaze anywhere but Christ, and the payoffs are tremendous. Tremendous. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, and then he followed for, and that word is very important. What's going to come after? Because that's his justification. So Jesus commanded his listeners Okay, really, it's probably better to say he pleaded with his, with his listeners to enter by the narrow gate. But why? What's the rationale? What's the justification? The answer he gave was, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. 
The, the imperative there is enter by the narrow gate. That's his appeal. That's his plea. And the reason to do that is to avoid being destroyed with the masses. That's a great reason. But then Jesus added a greater reason. I, I think what captures the bigger thing that's going on, the true incentive, he said, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. The logic behind his imperative to enter by the narrow gate is that the narrow gate and hard way leads to life instead of destruction. We are not only saved from destruction, we are saved to life. Life is the, the, the greater thing. It's not just keep me out of hell, God. It's save me to yourself that I can live with Christ. Saints, there is, there is so much pressure on us to conform to the world, to believe what everyone else believes, to do as everyone else does. There is an enormous pressure on all of us, not just teenagers, to fit in, to blend in, to not stand out, to not be that freak that's isolated from everyone else. And when we face this pressure to join the masses, we must realize that it is the way of the few which leads to life. It is the narrow gate, the exclusive gate, the polarizing gate, the seemingly bigoted and intolerant and rigid gate and hard road that leads to true life. James said that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And here's a little secret. The fellowship of the few is so much richer and deeper and more satisfying than the shallow and backstabbing friendship of the world on the way to destruction. They don't truly love on the road to destruction. They only embrace others because misery does love company. Stay close to your brothers and sisters in Christ, for they want what you want most. And true and lasting fellowship with Christ and one another, they want that. Stay close to the people who want that. And the few, the few will work together to help each other endure until the end where they live with the king. How does someone enter the narrow gate and travel the hard way, and why would they do it? Why would they want to? Well, I hope I've already answered that. But entering the narrow gate is entering the kingdom of God by putting your trust in Christ alone. It's receiving his righteousness as a gift. It's resting in Christ's merits for you and not trying to enter on your own merits. Christ traveled the hard road of suffering first, did he not? We know the gospel story, and he is with us as we travel that hard road together as the few. Paul said in Romans 8, 16 and 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We may suffer with Christ. 
uh, on the hard road, but it leads to our glorification with the king. Isn't that the, the most wonderful future for us weary travelers on the hard road? Glorification with the king. Suffering is for a time. Glorification is forever. So I plead with you. I beg of you. I preach my heart to you. Don't take the popular road. Don't join the masses. Don't fit in. Go with the few on the hard road to life. Suffer with Christ by the power of Christ so that you will live with Christ. Squeeze through. Shed it all at the tight gate and enter the kingdom by the only way. Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen Lord, trust the promises of God. Trust what God has revealed to you in his word. Live a holy life of obedience by the Spirit, whatever the cost. Because it will all be worth it. To hear those words, well done thy good and faithful servant, will be worth it. Let us smile, dear brothers. Let us laugh, dear sisters. Because soon we will feast with the king. And our afflictions will be worth it. And our afflictions will be long past. One day, dear brothers and sisters... We will look deeply into one another's eyes and we will say, it was worth it. He is more stunning than I thought. It was worth it. It was worth it. Perhaps we'll say it with tears of joy and celebration. So look to the narrow gate. Enter by it. It's the only way you enter life. All the other millions of roads are just one road leading to hell. Come to Christ. Enter by the narrow gate. Be, enter the kingdom by him who is calling to you in the gospel to come.